The Derek and Mike Podcast. Welcome to the show. Thanks a lot for joining us. We really appreciate you being here. You can hit us up on Twitter at Derek and Mike Pod. We're on Instagram as Derek and Mike or on our website, DerekandMike.com. My name is Mike and this is my boy, Derek. What's up, Mike? What's up, everybody? Derek, I'm really excited to welcome our guest, Drew Wallace, to the show today, who Hell yeah. I'm really anxious to learn more about him. Um... Drew, help me with your your intro here. I want to make sure I get stuff right. Um, first, thank you so much for coming on and joining us. Yeah, uh, uh, thank you guys for having me. Um, you know, pleasure to be here and excited to talk with you and share part of my journey. You know, I, I from from what little little um, I've gathered, it seems like an incredible and unique journey. Um, you are involved in a really awesome new sport I knew next to nothing about and still kind of know next to nothing about, and I can't wait to learn more, uh, cowboy mounted shooting. Yeah, that's right. I mean, uh, I've been involved in uh, the Western equestrian sport, you know, cowboy mounted shooting now for probably about, you know, a little over five years. Okay. Uh, and it's kind of been a long sort of journey to discover it, but it's been, it's a fast, hard charging sport and a ton of fun. Um, and yeah, I travel all over the country to do this sport. Um, you know, and there's a lot, there's a lot to it, but, um, yeah. Uh, you know, and I definitely want to learn a lot about that. And I also want to touch on your military service. You were an army ranger. Is that right? Yep. So I, uh, I served right after college. I served with the uh, 75th Ranger Regiment uh, in the 1st Battalion, which was out of Savannah, Georgia. And um, yeah, I was there for a while. You know, I did a number of rotations you know, to Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, you know, you know, so really, if I was to you know, sum up, you know, my sort of exist- existence in the simplest way is, you know, I'm a you know, I'm a, I'm a father, you know, I'm a husband, you know, first and foremost, but I'm also, you know, professional cowboy man and shooter and, you know, a veteran with the 75th Ranger Regiment. Wow. All incredible thank things. You, thank you for your service. I just got to throw oh, that out yeah. there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Derek and I have talked before on the yeah. show about neither, neither one of us served. Derek um, has a little more familiarity with military life growing up on bases, but neither of us ever served. And we both have a ton of admiration and gratitude for uh, anyone who chose to serve in any capacity, and especially um, someone like yourself who was deployed. We really appreciate your service and and uh, and and the effort that's involved in all that. That's all incredible. Yeah, thanks for saying that. I mean, I think you know, I think it's a. I don't know what the percentage is of guys who serve, but you know, it's it's not not big. But um, I think service, just like in any capacity. You know, giving back, you know, at some point in your life is just, you know, great to do, you know, just, you know, the idea of like selfless service and, you know, we'll see, I hope my kids, you know, maybe they want to do it someday, but if they don't, you know, uh, you know, well, there's always, there's other ways to serve. So, 
Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, grateful for my service. I appreciate you saying that. That's very cool. How, how old are your kids? How many kids do you have? Yeah, so I've got um, a 10-year-old daughter and 8-year-old son, and then we've got a 10-month uh, old son. So I'm on my second marriage. Uh, you know, this this is my this is my last marriage. Uh, and, um, you know, you, you learn through the first one yeah. what, what to do, not to do. <laughs> um, but we're busy. I mean, three, you know, three kids, yeah. you know, under 10. Uh, and I'm sure you guys can relate. I mean, you guys are, you, you guys have kids as well. Right? Yeah. So yeah. I've, I've got two boys. I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. Um, and, and Derek, your oh, daughter wow, yeah. is now she's seven, seven. Mm-hmm. So around, around the same, okay. yeah, it's such a cute age. I, it, you have a boy. I, I miss what you said. You have a boy or and a girl or 10 yeah, year old girl, eight year old boy, 10 month okay. old boy. Um, okay. Yeah. and we're busy. I mean, it's a busy house. We got, <laughs> Yeah, that's an understatement, right? Jiu-jitsu. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh, nice. I mean, yeah, lacrosse, soccer, horses. Um, you know, it's it's a busy house. Wow. But Where is home? Girl? Where are you? Oh, we love it. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So I'm. I live right now in a place called Norwell, Massachusetts. On the, it's on the south shore of of Massachusetts, okay. and um, I grew up here in Massachusetts. And then, you know, kind of at a very, I don't know, I say young age, but um, I left home. Yeah, I left home for school, for college um, and high school. Um, and then I've kind of made my way back here about five, six years ago. Um, so it's, you know, this this is home. We'll be home forever. I mean, I've lived all over, uh, but it's home for right now, raising these kids. And, wow. you know, we're happy with it. Yeah, a lot of yeah. fun. What, what, a, what a cool place to raise kids. And I assume it's horse property you raise horses there at home or how, do, how does the yep so we're the area we're in is is somewhat rural i mean all my horses are here at the house I and mean, we've got uh let's see three horses are here we've got our mini horse we got two goats and a very big dog this english mastiff who's like you know over 200 pounds whoa uh, named named mayflower and <laughs> oh, um, appropriate uh, for yeah, massachusetts we, you know all the horses uh, yeah you know i ironically you know i named her mayflower because it's the state flower of massachusetts you know she's as big as the ship and then ironically <laughs> i learned after the fact that the first english mastiff came over on the mayflower oh wow um, you know the actual boat um, yeah, so it fits. So yeah, yeah, she's she's great. And I've posted some photos of her on my Instagram, and we love that dog. Um, and great with the horses. And um, oh, and then we got two cats. We got two barn cats too. Wow. And, and the, nice. the two goats. Now are the goats uh, that's just about pets? It. Yeah. Or do yeah. they a lot of are, are, are the goats? Is there like a purpose to goats? having goats, or are they just kind of pets? Yeah, I know people always ask that. I mean, initially, like. I got them to eat basically all this poison ivy that was in this one area. Cause we're on about, we're on close to like seven acres. It's okay. not a huge property, but we live nice. on the river and there was all this poison ivy that I wanted to get, you know, to cut down. And really the most sustainable way was, you know, I didn't want to spray a bunch of stuff. Sure. So the most sustainable way was getting these goats. And then I got the goats as pets for the kids too. Okay. And, um, we've had these goats now five years. They're really goats are 
great animals. They're like mm-hmm. really easy keepers require like very minimal. I mean, I throw them one flake of hay a day, water. I let them loose in the yard. They climb up on the roof. Like, <laughs> they're everywhere. Um, wow. Yeah. They're really, and they, they're obedient too. So, you know. Wow. They'll they come when you call that them about and, goats. That they're mountain climbers, right? They're yeah. Just like, I didn't uh, think about it, but yeah, that's hilarious. You find them up on the roof. Hey, get down from there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's one area of our roof that's probably like five feet off of the ground. So they can run and they'll jump and get up on the roof. And the very first time I heard them on the roof, I was inside and uh, my friend was over. He's like, is it, he's like, is it raining? And I was like, I don't think so. <laughs> and then I, we went outside and we saw that they had climbed up there. Um, <laughs> yeah. And they, you know, goats love to climb. Um, and, wow. uh, but they're very easily trained. I mean, I've trained them to a big cowbell. So if I let them out in, you know, on the property, I want them back. I just ring a bell and they just come back. Wow. You know, nice. And goats so, can eat poison yeah. ivy and not get sick. Oh yeah. They'll eat anything. I wow. mean, they eat good plants and bad plants. I mean, they'll eat the nicest of flowers that you plant or the nastiest of weeds. Wow. I mean, they, they yeah. Is it tough? Do you, Great do you, clear cutters. Do you have a garden there on property? If you do, do you have to like fence it oh, off yeah, and block yeah. it? I mean, oh, yeah, we do. I mean, if I let them loose in the yard, I mean, they kind of go everywhere, so I don't get too worried about it. Um but no, I mean, I, ha- I haven't blocked anything out, but we have a lot of nice plants that they could get into. Yeah. Um, but no, they're they're pretty easy. I mean, um, but we've got a lot of mouse to feed, but yeah. it's, you know, I, I work from home, so um, it's pretty easy to manage, you know. That's pretty cool. And and yeah. uh, I want to touch on mounted shooting, because like I said, I, I didn't know much about it. Um I was equating it to a shooting sport that I'm that I'm involved in. I have been for a few years called sporting clays, which is just a shotgun clay shooting oh, yeah. sport. You're probably familiar with it. And we've traveled yeah, around a little bit. Uh, you know, we were involved in the association, and I've shot in some fairly large events, and and um, nothing like what you're doing. And when I saw what you were doing, it felt similar in that sense, where it looks like you're traveling around doing state and regional and national championships and and those sorts of shoots. Um, what is the organization called that? that kind of sanctions the sport yes so it's the the cowboy mounted shooting association okay or cmsa cmsa Uh, and that's their website yeah cmsa.com and they're the the national organization that you know uh facilitates you know all all this this competition the points the events and sanctions it all right um the sport itself you know, is, you know, it's a, you know, a Western equestrian sport, obviously, but it's scored off of uh, time, you know, and accuracy. So there's probably about 70 different courses of fire. Uh, There's 10 targets in the course of fire, which are balloons. The course can be different, which are balloons. Yep. The targets are balloons and the ammunition is black powder. And so what actually pops the balloons is the sparks from your gun. Um, and you're, uh, you as the rider, you know, have to cross a, a, a timing line, which is an automatic censored timer, okay. engage the course of fire as prescribed, and then get back across the line. So you've got um, like, like a horse arena, basically, 
where there's targets, so there's balloons out there yeah. placed, and you've oh. got to race your horse around this course as fast as possible, shoot all the targets, and then get back across this timeline, and then yeah. that's when time stops, fastest time wins. Correct, yeah. And okay. you're, if you miss a target, you're penalized five seconds. You know, if you knock over a barrel, it's five seconds. You know, say you say you drop your gun, it could be five seconds. Um you know, you, you hit a gate, you know, there's different penalties sure. you know, for different things, but it, you know, ultimately if you don't make any mistakes, you know, you can win or lose by a hundredth of a second. I mean, I've seen, you know, matches get that close Sure. Um, where, you know, it is that, that, that close. I mean, it's every step counts. And so wow. you know, you've got to be really dialed in with your horse, you know, your shooting. Cause it's, it's also not that easy to, you know, engage these targets, like, you know, your distance, your shot placement, um, you know, other conditions, if you're shooting outside with the wind or sure. the humidity. Um, so yeah. five so seconds, you know, as a penalty sounds like a lot, like how, how, what's the normal time on a course? Does it vary widely or what's like a good time on a, it, on a course? It varies. I mean, there are some courses that you could execute a very good, rider can execute in like you know 12 seconds but oh. there's other courses that you the fastest time might be 20 seconds okay you know, so it's never i mean it's i would equate it you know in terms of the it's kind of like a 40 yard dash type, yeah. of, type of sport i mean it's a real sprint i mean so five seconds the is most experienced riders it is yeah um and so you can you know there are times too where multiple people miss you know like first and second places they both miss but it comes down to your you know the time that you're you know that you've run the course um and that, that kind of so, yeah i mean if you question. miss yeah I think that kind of you miss my your question yeah yeah you you these are revolvers you guys use right so is that because i listened uh, a little bit about it so it's a revolver and uh and the podcast that I listened to said that the, the first round is blank. So is it only five uh, shots that you, you have or? Yeah. So you've got, yeah, you, you only load. Uh, so there's, there's, there are multiple disciplines in mounted shooting. There's uh, the revolver class, the shotgun, and then there's rifle. And there's also cavalry, which I'll get to that. But the main class, you use two revolvers and you, you're correct. You only load five rounds in each revolver and part of that was was basically a throwback towards you know with single action guns there's really no uh safety per se so like you know back in the day some you know in the old west sometimes they you know they wouldn't load uh one chamber basically as a safety precaution um you know and so that's kind of where that has kind of originated um so you've got five rounds in each gun um, you know, you engage five targets, holster, and then draw the other one, and then that's it. Oh, so um, you've got okay. So yeah, you're you, you're you're starting the course with two revolvers, um, two six shooters with five rounds in each. Yep. What kind of guns do you yep. use? Yeah, and you have uh, Ruger Vaqueros. Uh, there, it's all you know, chambered is you know forty five. Okay. Um, and yeah, and that's part of another part of the challenge with this sport too is that. 
you know, you're, you engage five targets and then you, you holster and, you know, holstering and drawing is, you know, becomes second nature, Sure, but you know, you don't, you don't want to spend time looking down at your holsters or anything like that. Yeah. So that's um, got to be like second you know, nature you, muscle memory. It is. Yeah. Um, you know, you, and we, I do a lot of dry firing that sort of practice, um, wow. which pays off because, I mean, you're you're generally only riding all the time with one hand, you know. Um, wow. So do you position your pistols so, so that you only yeah, shoot you with first. one hand? Um, both your holsters are set up to draw from, do you shoot right-handed, left-handed? Oh, yeah. I mean, both my holsters are basically set right here. So I draw right, holster, and then, yeah, both position right. Okay. Some guys will put their holsters on their belts or something. Um, but generally, you know, I call it my working space. Anytime I'm using any sort of like firearms, I like to keep my working space tight. So I don't want to be reaching real far for things. I want to uh -huh. keep everything in this sort of zone. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kind of a pre-thought out placement. Chefs talk about that, where they keep everything within arm's reach of themselves so that they're not wasting time walking around, turning around, you know, uh, for you reaching further than you have to, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's a great analogy. Yeah. I mean, same thing, you know. Yeah, if I'm reaching down to my my belt for something to bring it over there versus, you know, I keep I keep my guns kind of right on my kind of midsection or chest. Okay. So I just kind of keep coming back to here. Wow. Well, I'd be I'd um, watch out for that guy in the Wild West that would have his, his guns like right on his uh, chest or stomach. Yeah, that guy means business. Yeah, he's. <laughs> yeah. And then we've got we've got rifle and shotgun, too, which are super fun. So in that, in that, those stages of fire, those classes, um, you, know, you have a pistol with five rounds and then you have a rifle with say five rounds. Okay. So you, you'll shoot your pistol first, holster your gun, and then you pull out your rifle. You'll go around the barrel and then it, you hit the rundown and the rundown is like a straight row of targets. Okay. Um, and so with the rifle, you know, you've got to drop the reins and you're just using two hands and you're, you're running a lever action rifle, um, like a Henry engaging or five like targets. That. Say it again. Like, like a Henry rifle or something like that. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Like a Henry or Taylor's, um, who else makes Remington makes one. Mm -hmm. I use a Taylor's and co, uh, 4440. Um, but it's a super challenging cause you really got to know your horse and trust your horse that, They'll run a straight line. Um, yeah, no hands on the reins. I mean, you're, you're just holding on so. with your legs, basically. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, you just drop the reins and start going. Um, and then same thing with shotgun. Shotgun, you know, you pull out a shotgun and you, we use like a coach gun. Oh. You know, side by side. Side by side, yeah. Yep. Oh, wow. How many rounds yeah, can, you, um, can you fit five rounds in a side by side? I thought it was just one in each barrel. Nope, just one in each barrel. And so what we do there is that you have a you have two clusters of balloons. You have a cluster of two and uh. a cluster of three. And so and on this, you'll go on the rundown around the barrel, you know, in a straight line, and you've got to shoot a one cluster with one round and another cluster with another. So you know, it's wow. you gotta be accurate there too. Yeah, um, because you're shooting blank rounds. Um yeah, and, and and like yeah. you said, the 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 explosion or the sparks or just the 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 pressure coming out of a barrel that just went off. No, there's no projectile, but that pressure is enough to pop a balloon. But yeah, it's 
it's really the sparks. The sparks do it. Do it. You know? and at, at what yeah. distance can you fire? Yeah. Is it different between a pistol, a rifle, and a shotgun, the distance that you have to be to, to pop a balloon? Yep. The, the longer the barrel, uh, the further away you can be to engage the target. Okay. Um, so just like a projectile. Some guys have done a bunch of these different... Yeah, I mean, a bunch of these different studies, you know, with, you know, because with some of the pistols, you know, you have, uh, what's it, you know, three and three quarters, and then I think it's, I think it's four and a half. There's some pistols that are longer, um, you know, and, and those can be more effective for the longer shots. Um, like a dirty hairy but gun. generally, like, say again? Like a dirty hairy gun, a big long barrel, big hand yeah. cannon. All right. Oh, yeah. And, um, but but in general, like, you're... You're engaging a target anywhere from like, you know, one foot away to, you know, 15 feet, you know, because wow. um, you're, you're ultimately trying to find the best line for your horse, you know, you, cause again, like, you know, you can win or lose by a 10th of a second. So you're, you're trying to find the best uh, line through the pattern for your horse while still being able to effectively engage all the targets. So yeah, man, and, and, you know, and so just, so pre-planning yeah, yeah. is key. Um, and okay, so there's all these different patterns, right? Um, that you yep. would run in, in an event, and is the pattern the placement of the balloons, and you can run around that course and and shoot them in any direction or angle or or way you want, or do you have to run your horse in a certain pattern around the the course? The, the course requirements will generally be pretty basic. They'll say, you know, you have to engage all five balloons of the first color first, and then that's it. So, like, oh. you can get pretty creative with a course, um, but oftentimes in a course there might be something like called a gate, you know. You have to, you have to run through this gate, which is, you know, two targets that are separated by five feet. Gotcha. Um, or you have to shoot five of these targets and then round a random barrel. So there's some like course limitations, but people get pretty creative. I mean, and ultimately, yeah, like you said, the pre-planning is huge. Like you think about your horse, like, you know, you look at the pattern, you're like, what is the fastest way for me to do this course, you know, you know, and do it effectively. Um, you know, and a lot of that comes down to practice. I mean, I practice a lot. I mean, I'll, you know, I don't just go to the competitions. I mean, I'm setting up stuff at home, uh, working on different patterns that are, have generally been problematic. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah, we have a cheesy, but it's a totally true or, saying uh, in sporting clays. You know, working on different stuff. Where we say, like, the, the, the trophies are won in practice. You just go to the competitions to pick them up kind of thing. Takes a lot of practice. A hundred percent. Yeah. 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 I, I really agree with that. You know, I, I, I don't, you know, I, my whole idea is luck is, you know, preparation meets opportunity. You right. know, it's like, you know, uh, I put in the work and then I show up um, and may, you know, hopefully my chance comes. Um, but yeah, like you said, you're putting in the, you know, you're, you're putting in the work at home. Um, yeah. You know, and do you and, have a course it, or, or paid, a, it, a way to run practice rounds at your home? yeah at, at at home i'll do more like slow work with the horses okay um 
which is, you know, good for them too. like just, you know, bending, responding to leg pressure, um, you know, all that sort of stuff. And then I'll trail ride around here at home. And then to really like compete or practice and shoot, I go to like a facility where um, the dirt is like much better. Oh, gotcha. Um, and I can run really aggressively. You, yeah. Can you shoot on your, um, on your seven acres there? That's, it's a little, probably a little tight. Is that a little tight for your neighbors? Or Yeah. Or and, and in the area that I'm in, you know, Massachusetts isn't exactly the most uh, gun friendly state. Oh yeah. Uh, I can so relate. Can, I'm in California. Know, mm-hmm. bla- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Same. With, yeah. California for me blasting, you know, rounds all day, Mike, you know, <laughs> get me in trouble yeah 45 um, on that yeah, yeah. i think you're yeah thinking. uh which but i don't mind i mean it's a it's a way to get me off property otherwise i probably would never leave my house so, right. <laughs> um, yeah yeah you know? yeah wow and so when you go to, when you go to these places uh is is a lot of your time you, you obviously have to travel with your horse and i would imagine they're probably not in massachusetts are they more like in the texas western states areas or or where where are most of the competitions located at? We do have a handful that are in Massachusetts, New Hampshire, oh, okay. Connecticut, Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. um, right. But like, I just I just returned from Mississippi. I got home on Monday. I was there for like ten days. Oh wow! Um, competing, you know, and that was the national championship. Um, and then, you know, there's other, you know, there's some of the big championships, there's, they're in Mississippi, Tennessee, Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm traveling. It's I, usually one day of travel or two days. I mean, I'm going to North Carolina next weekend for a shoot. Um, and I love it. I mean, I some people are like, how do you drive that far? And I'm like, I love, I love it. It's just like yeah. what I love to do and I don't mind being on the road, you know. Do you bring yeah, along are the, is, other people, uh, you know, other shooters, friends, family, or is it just usually you and the horses on the road? Uh, sometimes my wife and my my kids will come, but um, usually when I get there, I mean, I'm always seeing tons of friends. For that, sure, you know, I I I hang out with and compete with. And I think that's what makes it you know so enjoyable is that the community with you know, mounted shooting. And I think for the majority, from what I understand, a lot of Western equestrian sports, you know, are, are pretty wholesome. I mean, I, I'll speak to mounted shooting. I mean, the community is very good. Yeah. I mean, just wholesome people love America. I mean, national anthem is played at every shoot. You know, there's always a, you know, a, a group prayer before every shoot. Um, everyone, you know, you can leave your stuff out. You know, no one's going to take it. People are encouraging. Um, it's a real supportive, great group of people. I mean, yeah, and I think that's what makes it all so much fun. You know, yeah, I can relate. That's one of the things I love so much about sporting clays is is the community travels around to wherever the shoots are. So, like you said, you see the same people uh, at all the shoots that you go to, and it's just this big group of friends or even family in a way where you're all seeing each other. You get together at everyone's. RVs after a shoot and you know so-and-so is having a, a, yeah. a crab boil at theirs this night or a barbecue over at this trailer the other night and and it's just a bunch of, of friends and a ton of fun and a, a great community full of camaraderie and all that it's it's awesome yeah anybody uh, else from the I, I Rangers get... that 
in that that joined you? Uh, no, no one from my like unit or anything. But there's a handful of other veterans for sure. Oh yeah, uh, a lot of law enforcement and fire guys. Um, no, I mean, uh, but I will I will say to your point too. Like, yeah, as you get older too, you know, you don't like get to see friends and you just get so busy with life for sure. Um, but whatever sort of recreation you choose to do, that becomes your kind of hub of social activity. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, and I think, yeah, but that's why I love it. You know? Yep. Yep. No, no, you said you were at the nationals for 10 days. Is the event that long or is how, how long is a, a normal event or a big event like the nationals? A normal like national competition is generally uh, four days. Okay. Um, usually it goes from it goes Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But a lot of these places they'll put on like the weekend before they'll put on a, a big event mm-hmm. that they'll run stay on Sunday and Monday. Okay. And then Tuesday's a down day, and then there's nationals, and they they generally do that because. A lot of people are just take off the whole week anyways, For sure. you know? Yeah. Um, so, so they're there. So they're like, let's, let's shoot, you know, let's. And do they hold like. Let's do it anyway, since we're already here. Do they kind of hold like peripheral events or like sub events where it's like, these aren't official national events, but it's kind of like a fun side event. Like, uh, Hey, it's a, uh, I don't know for us, it'd be like a 410 event, which, you know, it's not the main event that most of us are going out there for, but Hey, it's a lot of fun to go shoot stuff with a 410. So they have these little kind of sub, um, events. Yeah. Like side matches. Yeah. Kind of. Okay. I mean, it's, it, it's kind of like that. I mean, but they'll, they'll still do a, a shoot that is worth some points and stuff for okay. rankings. Um, yeah. So that, there... that's what we did. So like when I was in Mississippi, I got there on Saturday and I left the following Sunday, you know? Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's a long stretch. Yeah. And you have sponsors too. Yeah. So it, it does yeah. it pay the does that all pay the bills? I mean, that would be phenomenal if you could do what you love and get paid for that. <laughs> I mean, I could just I imagine mean, that. I think yeah. I know. I wish. I mean, I I feel like with horses in general, this is my experience, so, is that there's probably only like you know, three one to three percent. I mean, it's very small of people who are sponsored where within the equine industry where it pays the bills and i think i think that goes across the board even with things like horse racing or you know roping or you know um reining and and you know managing too i mean it's horses just in general are just so such an expensive for sure um activity to you know you know the care of them not just you know medical food the travel um you know, all that, you know, fuel. Um, so to answer your question, my sponsorships, my sponsors are great. I mean, it definitely offsets a lot of the costs. Um, you know, I'm sponsored by, you know, Black Rifle Coffee, uh, Safari Land, Stoger, who's, you know, they make shotguns, yeah. uh, Quicker Dead, you know, um, you know, a, a handful of, of folks. And so, it definitely helps. Um, but no, I mean, I have, I work in marketing and in media, which is kind of dovetails into a lot of what I do anyways. Oh, like um, you said, you work from home. So I'm able too, to do so, uh-huh. Yeah. 
Okay. So yeah, I work from home as well. I, I'm, a, I'm an IT. So I, I work from home as well. And, and uh, yeah, I, it's it's kind of nice having that freedom to be able to travel yeah. and, and work, I've, you know. Yeah. I've been working from home now since uh, the beginning of 2017. And, like, it's been awesome. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I'm ever going back to an office. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't think I, I would survive on. at this point. No, no, yeah. and especially with young yeah. kids, it's so <laughs> it's so great to like be there for for everything, uh, just the unexpected things that pop up when you've got kids, um, and then hobbies that yeah. that that uh, you know all that. It's really nice to have the freedom of working from home. Yeah, I mean, I love. I mean, I take my drive my kids to school. I pick them up. Um, you know, I go take them to sports, and you know, we just. I'm around. I mean, I think, and that's probably what makes it easy on picking my wife when I do leave is that sure. when I'm home, I'm, I'm home. Yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, I don't, I don't leave at seven in the morning and come back home at, you know, six at night. Um, and I did that at one point. Um, but now, you know, I'm just, I'm present, you know, yeah. um, and able to work so remotely. That's awesome for yeah. everybody. Yeah. My wife jokes about that with me. She's like, she said she always knows where to find me because I'm always home. So, uh, but but yeah. I love it. I, I wouldn't have it any other way. You're just a quick yellow way. Just Derek, yeah. come in here yeah. and kill the spider or take out the trash. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Someone said too recently that something like one out of every seven jobs right now is remote. Whereas, like, you know, obviously before the pandemic and stuff, it was like something like one out of 70, wow. you know, I mean, it's just the culture has changed a bit where, you know, working remotely is more acceptable, but, um, you know, I've, you know, th this kind of just happened working from home for me just sort of sort of happened by mistake. Um, but it has allowed me to do this sport and spend a ton of time with my kids. So, so, yeah, so you've been in the sport, it's huge. you've been in the sport five years, right? Is, how long has the yeah. sport been around? Oh, I, th I think uh, probably, I think, around 25 wow. years. Not a ton, ton of time. I mean, when no, this sport started, they were shooting like, they were shooting live rounds like in fields, like okay. at like, beer bottles and wow. stuff. You know, that's like, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's come a long way. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but I think I think around twenty five, thirty years. And how did so? Not you, terribly long. How did you find it? Yeah. Um, so for me, like I was living in California at the time. Um, this is in twenty sixteen, and um, what part of California? I used to go to this place called Mike Rahagi's. Ah. I was in. Uh, I lived in Ladera Ranch. I, that yeah. is cool, I, man. I uh, work for Oakley. Wow. Rahagas yeah. is like my home course. We shoot sporting clays there all the time. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you know that they have a horse arena yep. there, right? Yeah. Um, so I was, I was there in 2016 and I was, you know, I, I'd always stay proficient with my, you know, my pistol and AR platform just from being in the military. And I was there just shooting just in one of the bays. And then behind me, I saw these guys riding around on horses, you know, and, and shooting, <laughs> shooting mm -hmm. guns. And so I was like, 
I was like, what the, what the hell is this? So I, I put my, like, over, and I, was, I started walking, and, you know, pulled one of the guys aside. And I was like, hey, what is this? This yeah. is amazing what you're doing here. And he's like, hey, it's, it's cowboy man and shooting. It's like bread and, and butter. I was like, how does one yeah. get involved in this? Yeah. I was like, this is a you know, combination <laughs> like of guns ride, and like horses. And I, I had actually, yeah, I just had a, I had just gotten a horse only maybe like a year or two before, um, you know, had it, you know, there in California. And I said, how do I get into it? He said, you know, come and take a lesson with me. And, um, and so I did, I took my horse over to him. Um, and he was like, Hey, you need to gun break your horse. You know, he's not broke to gunfire yet. And, and he showed me some different things. And so then that's what a week at least and would train my horse to the gunfire wow. and then started setting up patterns by myself and then entered into my first competition. Um, so, you know, I was, I was terrible, but, uh, it was, I was hooked. I mean, that was it. I was like, this is a ton of fun. Um, because there's so much skill involved and like, you know, connecting with your horse. And then the gun aspect too, was just something that I was, I'd always loved, um, you know, and then there's that, you know, you know, when you're a kid, you have dreams of being, you know, a cowboy and things like that. Yeah. It's like, for me, it was like, yeah. like it connected in this sort of deep rooted sort of desire just to do something like that. And, um, that was it. I mean, it was sold. I, I could see um, how. Yeah, that was. I could see how seeing that go on behind you would be so attention grabbing because just from what like the videos I've seen in your Instagram page, which your Instagram page, by the way, is badass. Um, you do a great oh, job, and, and knowing you're in marketing now, it makes sense because man, you are you are really good at putting out some some awesome content, and oh. uh, just like the power and the speed of the sport is just totally attention grabbing. It's like a really cool mix of um, like physicality and finesse. So you got to be super powerful and fast, but you also have to be very, um, uh, you know, flowing. And finesse is a huge part of it. And then, so it's a solo sport, but it's really not. You're, you're. It's a team sport between you and your horse. Like you really have to work together. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a neat element of it. And I imagine it plays a huge role in how you approach the sport is your relationship and your training and just your kind of teamwork oh, yeah. with the horse. Right. Yeah. I mean, and that's probably the part about it all. I mean, you know, the connection that you have with the animals. I mean, yeah. you know, I spend more time with these horses than I do most people, um, you know, with the, with the exception of my wife and kids. Um, and they, they become like your, your good friends. Um, sure. but you're right is that it can, it takes a long time to, to connect where they trust you. And then also, you know, particularly like a real high performance horse for you to move with them in a graceful way. That's like you said, fluid and seamless. Um, and where you can harness their power yeah. most effectively. Um, and, you know, for me, that's just, I love it. I mean, I love the horse. I love my horses. I mean, every morning I'm taking care of them all day. And um, it's a critical piece. I mean, I think it takes about a good year with any horse to really come together with them um, 
where you're doing things that are that feel seamless and fluid. That's yeah, cool. Uh, that trust, that, that know, trust bond that, is just got to be amazing there. I, I didn't even yeah. think about that, but yeah, I mean, it's all about the horse and the horse is your, your road to victory. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it, like, it's amazing. I mean, some of these horses, you get to a point where, I mean, essentially wherever you look, they go, you know, oh, like wow. you don't even really, you're not really guiding much at all. I mean, there are times, you know, where you're, you're, you know, you're generally steering with your your butt and your your legs more than anything. But a lot of times, if I I, mean, I could do just very subtle things with the reins, hardly anything, uh-huh. or I just Amazing. look with my eyes where I want to go, and, wow. <laughs> and they'll go. I mean, it's that's phenomenal. I mean, that's the level of connection you have. Yeah, um, yeah. that is and so I, cool. And to me, that's the engaging part. Yeah, I mean, I'm you know, I've always been really like, if something is super like, if it comes too easy it's hard sometimes it's not as much fun to stick with it you know what i mean like, yeah mm-hmm. you know like any any skill or anything if it's just if you're an expert in it in a day it's like well, where's the where's the fun in that absolutely um, yeah for sure you know have you ever been in a position well, i gotta ask this you, you could put some live rounds in there and go out in the wilderness and just go at it like is are you allowed to say that even or you know or or oh, yeah. is that allowed? I mean, I've been, school? I went on a cattle drive. Uh, uh, one of the horses that I, my first horse, uh, who I don't, doesn't compete in the sport anymore. This is the one I gun broke. I got her from in Utah. Um, and a friend of mine runs cattle up in the 50 mile mountain in Escalante, Utah. And I've shot live rounds up there, you know, off of, you know, my horse. Um, wow. So, yeah, I mean you can yeah yeah i mean i don't a lot but um, yeah it's definitely louder you know (laughs) oh for sure yeah and and so gun breaking your horse or just the whole training process in general you said it takes about a year give or take to get a horse totally dialed in but what does that training process kind of look like do you do you do do all yourself do you work with trainers like what's all that look like yeah um so my first horse to gun break a horse it can take, you know, can take uh, a few days or it can take a few weeks or a few months. It really depends on the temperament of the horse. Um, but in terms of like training a horse for mounted shooting, you know, it all depends on the foundation of the horse. Um, like if it's a young horse, um, you know, I won't, I don't start horses. I'm not a, like a classical horse trainer. Okay. So I work with a good friend of mine who, who does, uh, break horses, not just a gunfire, but saddle breaks them. Okay. Um, and put some level of foundation on them. And as soon as like that kind of foundation is done, then they can come to me. Now, by no means are they like, you know, hundred percent polished and good to go. You know, you still, a lot of the hard work exists, but, sure. um, you can ride them around and you can shoot off them, but you know, they're not, seasoned by any sort yeah they're not competition Um, horses yet no and some horses you know one horse i have this was a ranch horse that you know uh we broke to mounted shooting um and a lot of it's just you know repetition but the right repetition like you know running different courses and getting them used to stuff i mean in a supportive way it's like I, with horses, it's always trying to get them to just 
continually say yes, you know, and how quickly a horse will say yes to different things is just, it all depends. Um, if they keep saying no, that's just, you're just taking steps back. So, you know, some horses are more willing than others. You just don't know until you expose them to certain things. For sure. So we had heard, uh, that, um, so gun breaking a horse is sometimes, uh, easier for uh, some horses than others. Um, but balloon breaking a horse can also be a thing. Have you run into that? Yes. So you're, you're absolutely right. So like, like you can just ride around on a horse at a walk, a trot or a rope and just shoot a gun in the air and they may be fine. Okay. But as soon as you shoot a balloon, that might create some sort of other, you know, negative reaction. Kind of flight or just depends fight or flight response, right? Yeah. Is it, it's it. is it the visual um, so, balloon yeah. moving around or the popping of the balloon or both or generally like comes the popping of the balloon. Okay. So like in one way to do that too, is just, you know, you, you just, you're introducing balloons and you're rubbing the balloons on them and trying to get them to relax just around the balloons. Then you're, you know, shooting without balloons. Then you might just do some ground shooting, shooting a balloon, okay. you know, and they're nearby I mean, you, you try to mix it up until yeah. you can kind of bring everything together. Just get them to um, get more comfortable around balloons and popping balloons and desensitize yeah. them to it. And just, yeah, and just, yeah, that's really what it is. Just desensitizing and getting them to keep saying yes. If they say, if they say no, they say no a bunch of times, then it's like, well, I'm not going to keep doing this because it's just, you know, it's oh. making it worse. So kind of like shut try down. something else. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's, I've never, I don't have Kids a lot of, I don't, I don't have any, really any experience with horses. I've ridden a horse a couple of times and it was just at a place where, you know, I'm put on a, a horse that is comfortable with amateur tourists and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, I know. I, I used to work at some of those places. I know the deal. Yeah. 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 It's, it, it's just like a whole lifestyle. So it's like, to me, more than a hobby, it's really a lifestyle and, uh, it's really oh, interesting yeah. to me. Um, I find that yeah. super cool. I'm jealous. I, I, I wish I, I, I would love to have a little bit of acreage and just be able to have a horse. I imagine that your kids must love it. Do, are they able to yeah. ride the horses? Or are they? Yeah, yeah. They ride here, the house, so they'll trail ride with me. They haven't got as into the mounted shooting yet, but I'm hoping that they will. Um, yeah, I mean... Uh, you know, I didn't grow up like on a ranch environment. So for me, this is like a, you know, a dream come true. But um, I will say it's fun to like take care of these animals. I mean, it, it, I mean, just like having a dog and taking care of a dog, it's a little bit different, I guess, sometimes. But there's just something that's, you know, cathartic about taking care of these huge animals that yeah, or, you know, you, you trust and you love, and you know, it's it's therapy. It really is, you know. Yeah, yeah, I bet. I mean, you almost like kind of yeah. make friends with them. Not even kind of, but you really do. You build a level of trust. You have a relationship with them. They're all different. Um, so that part's oh, yeah. really appealing. And and you said you have three horses, right? They're at home. Yeah, we got three here, and then I have one other real young one who's at my friend's place. Who's okay. a trainer. He's he's starting that horse okay um because in our sport you have like a this futurity class which is they're basically 
there's the Futurity and then there's the Derby. And these are four-year-old or five-year-old horses. And a lot of the money is getting put towards these events. Um, so it's getting, it is getting more popular to get younger horses and, and, um, you know, create a mounted shooting line of horses. Okay. Uh, is, is there so like that's kind of going on. Uh, is there a they certain that, breed that's yeah. best tailored to the sport? Quarter horse. Yeah. Okay. And is that For different? Sure. And I, again, I don't know much about horses, but is that a similar breed that's tailored to like barrel racing or other oh, yeah, yeah. kind of similar yeah. uh, Same as barrel equestrian racing. sports? Okay. Yeah. All right. And so the three horses yeah. you have, are they all mounted shooting horses or for different things? Yeah. Okay. Yep. All the quarter horses and yep. And we like them, we like them beefy, you know? Yeah. Um, so I'm not, I'm not a small guy by any means. I mean, maybe in stature, but I'm, you know, you know, I've put on a lot of muscle from, you know, being in the military and whatnot. So I'm, for sure. I'm good 210 sure. pounds. So, yeah. you know, I want an athletic strong horse yeah i mean and they're um, moving i mean they're they're turning on a dime and and uh from from a stop to a full speed and in an instant i mean they're they are athletic yeah yeah they are yeah they're you know, i call them my beefcake squad you yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah yeah man how how old of a horse yeah like i, I like uh as far as from being considered a young horse to considered ready to compete and then being too old to compete what are those kind of timelines look well like? like four is really the the starting age okay and then i've known some horses that are like 21 that are still wow. very active okay yeah but i mean it all depends you know how many miles are put on the horse but like you know i've known one horse that was like 28 and was still competing but wow he was you know, he wasn't exactly moving super fast. Is he in the uh, um, in sporting class? You know, he loves. So. We call that the veteran class. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was. It was. He was really old. He's getting up there. Um, That's pretty cool, though. So yeah, I mean, it just. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, I mean, because there's guys who really get after it and are running fast, but then there's also, you know, people who you know competitors who are a lot older who just want to, you know, they want to just have a nice time and yeah you know, kind of move along slowly and, you know, are which there, is fun, you know, are, and, um, in competition, are there classes with, within like the CMSA, are there classes or divisions or how you go from like a beginner to an expert? What do those classes yeah, look like and they, how do you move up? Yeah, good, good question. Yeah, th there are, I mean, so it goes from level one through six Okay. and there's a uh, men's and women's, uh, one through six, and then a men's and women's senior one through six. Okay. And senior is 50 years old or over. Okay. And in order to move up into a different class, you need to get what's called, you know, qualified wins in your class to move up. Right. And the further you, you know, move up, the more qualified wins you need. So like an example is if you're a, a ladies one, I think you only need three qualified wins as a ladies one to move to a ladies two. Right. Um, and then you need six. But to, to get a qualified next. win, you need a certain amount of people in your class. Right. Um, so it gets, it gets harder. I mean, um, and so right now I'm a men's five. So my, the last class I can move up to is a six. Okay. Um, 
Yeah. How many? Didn't you win a competition, Mike? Didn't you win some clay shooting competition before? Yeah, I mean, I've won here and there a little bit. I, I was I went through a year where I was pretty good, and I won a state championship, California state championship, but um, it was within my class. Um, like you said, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was within my class, so I took first place out of my class, which was C class at the time. And I think there was 40-some people in my class. I won them all in the main event of the Nationals, so I got to be California State Champ C-Class. That's still, that's still pretty bad. Oh, yeah, so. man. Yeah, that's yeah. the best I've ever been. Because you're the re- real deal. Whoa, yeah, oh, yeah. man. No, I, was, I, was, I was really into it there for a while. Then we had kids, and now now I'm changing diapers and not shooting clays as often. But, um, <laughs> yeah. and, and the price of ammo went up, too. Right? And, and ammo, yeah. Which, yeah, that's uh, true. Yeah, I know. I hear from a lot of yeah. guys who are still shooting a lot that ammo is a, is a real bear in California. Um, oh yeah, you guys having those issues too Everything. in Massachusetts I mean, or everywhere? Oh yeah, ammo, ammo, and then and fuel. I mean, to yeah. be honest, like fuel is like the biggest issue for us right now. It's like, for sure. I mean, yeah, hauling a horse yeah. trailer like across I, country, man. That's, Missis- that's pricey. Oh yeah, I mean, traveling to Mississippi. I mean, I think I must have spent uh, at least like thirteen hundred dollars in fuel. Yikes! Oh, you know? that hurts. Wow. Yeah. You have a dually? Yeah. Yeah. Uh no. I mean I I have a a, a 250 250 I'm yeah. Waiting to get a dually, but I don't want to get the dually yet cuz even the cars are so expensive. I'm shopping for a car uh, right now. Yeah, too. I have and, diesel. Yeah, it's it's insane. There's no choices, and you overpay for whatever you find on the lot. It's uh, yeah. My wife and I are just kind of yeah. We, we need an SUV. We need a we need a family wagon, and it's just a terrible time to buy one. Yeah, I got an F. I California is tough. Yeah, I got a 150 a couple years ago, and uh, boy, did I buy it at the right time. And then and then I see people selling like their uh, Ladero uh, brand new. F-150s on the secondary market for like a hundred grand. And I'm like a hundred thousand dollars. How, how in the hell does that That's happen? But, but used cars price, yeah. like, it's hard to get a hold of some of these now. Yeah. Yeah. So you were just at the nationals and I saw a picture on your Instagram account of you posing with a gigantic check. So I assume you did well. Oh yeah. How did the nationals pan out for you? Yeah, we did. Yeah. They, it was great. We, um, my main match horse and I, uh, I think we were in the we were in the top twenty, uh, even with the mists. Uh, so he did well, and then the, the the kind of big sort of hero moment was my other younger horse won this thing called the Derby, which was all the the five year old horses uh, compete against one another, um, and her and I won that whole thing. We were the overall champion of that. Wow. And, it was that was that was huge because um, it's it's not necessarily a side match. Uh, I mean, it's it's you know the the prize money was the most money you know I'd ever won in a single match, and the most money that was won down there. But um, it was a big moment. I mean, you know, I've been working with that horse for a long time. I mean, I could barely shoot off her when I you know first got her, just for getting her to trust me. Um, so for her to come this far, I mean, wow, and basically beat out a lot of good competition was huge. I mean, now in that derby, um, how many courses or runs are there? Five, five. Okay. Well, you do five, and so you're, yeah, you, it's five over three days. Okay. Um, and you're, you know, competing against, you know, a lot of 
other really good, you know, for sure, you know, rider horse teams. And that's um, kind of an open class. The only qualification know, is a horse that's five or under. Yeah, the horse has to have been entered in in the futurity, which was in September, and you're an open rider. So like you're you're a uh, either a competition rider, like a, you know, your pro card, or you're a level four and up. Okay. Um, so wow. a lot of good riders. I mean, I going into it, I didn't really even know I, you know, I just was going to do my best and, yeah, you know, ho- you know, and that's it. I didn't really have any expectation of winning. Um, but we did, we did real well. I mean, I think, you know, my daughter does a lot of figure skating and this has been my new mantra lately. It's something I thought about a lot too, but, she said before a competition, she's like, I don't care about the medals. I just want to skate well. You know, that's what she said to her coach oh, that's awesome. you know, before yeah. she went on the ice. <laughs> yeah, my daughter's 10, and I was like, oh. I was like, she just like hit it the nail on the head. I'm yeah. sort of like, you know, if you constantly just think about the outcome of something and you don't enjoy the process, you right. know, it, you know, I think that's gonna, you're going to set yourself up for failure. You, you've got to enjoy – the moment you got to enjoy the practice or what you're doing at that very moment. And then good things will happen. Um, you know, and I think that's the key, you know, it's like focus on the process, not the outcome. Um, that's so, really cool. Cause you, you know, like you want to uh, focus on did. the things you can control and you can control your own mindset and point of focus. And that ultimately would control your own performance. You can't control any of anyone else's performance. And that's a yeah, really wise right. thing to say for a kid. And sometimes kids really do kind of check us with their raw wisdom. That's really cool. That's a cool thing to that say. Is, that is good yeah. at that 10 years old, too. I, I think my daughter kind of has that uh, that attitude as well. Um, she does a lot of different things. She's We got her in piano because uh, she's been pretty good at piano. And then uh, um, a lot of dance. You know, she's, she's in ballet and jazz and tap and loves all these things. But like yesterday she was doing cartwheels in the yard and she just loves to practice them over. She's got, she's got beautiful form. Like I just love just to watch her. And she, she wants challenges from me. Like daddy, tell me what to do. I'm like, okay, do four cartwheels in a row. And she's just like trying to nail it. And just that just, I love just feeding that, uh, that, uh, training, uh, and, you know, she, she just enjoys it. And I know that's a, that's probably not equating to, such a huge uh, accomplishment but uh I, she's she's eight you know she's seven so i love seeing uh the growth that she the growth potential that she has and i'm i'm just so excited and i just love being a dad i guess you could tell too yeah yeah it's, it, it sounds like she's kind of like asking for that challenge too which is cool like hey i'm trying to do this i want your affirmation i'm doing a good job and i want you to push me harder like ask tell yeah, me what to do to and i'm gonna go for it you know that's that's a cool competitive um like bit of yeah. ingrained nature yeah now the jujitsu though uh do you have your daughter in jujitsu uh my son he does it wow. and um okay. i've actually started doing it i used to wrestle so i've started doing it too um but he he enjoys it, and he did his first competition. Let's see, I guess it was in December, uh, and that was fun to watch. I mean, yeah. he cool. he got his ass kicked a couple of times, but he also kicked to. some ass too. Like that's yeah. cool. We, we entered him into like every class, every division, up a division, down a division, 
um, just to get tons of experience. And um, it was awesome. I mean, he, he won a couple, you know, medals. It was his first time winning anything. Um, and uh, I tell you, it was hard to watch, you know, watch yeah. your, your eight, eight-year-old son getting like, choked out. Um, but, yeah. you know, other, you know, he did the same thing to some other kids. So, wow. you know. So jujitsu. It, it's I, a fun. Is it is it holds, like submission holds? It's like it's teaching you to, like, end a fight by incapacitating someone? Or is it the one where yeah. it's teaching you to, like, break bones really yeah. quickly? Or is it, what's the. Pretty much. I mean, you can win based off of points. But you can also win based off of uh, submission. Okay. So okay. like a choke, some chokehold, or sure. an armbar, or different things yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, that would be um, tough to watch your kid doing that. But cool when they're succeeding. Yeah. But yeah, yeah I'm just sitting there like, ah, get off my son. Well, yeah. that's the basis yeah, of seriously. all fighting, too. I mean, like, you, you want, if you were going to choose to be a professional fighter, the first thing to learn would be jujitsu or yeah. wrestling, because, I mean, that's what yeah. takes the longest to learn. And then you can add on boxing or kickboxing or something after that. But yeah. if you have a foundation of jujitsu, because most fights will end up on the ground if one person is better on the ground than the other one. They do. So that's, yeah, that's, that's well, I'm, definitely. I'm closing this window before these guys come. Okay. Yeah. You ever think about putting your daughter in something like that, Dee? I would love to put my daughter in, in jujitsu. I'm not sure what my wife would feel about it, but you know, I got it. She has to like it as well too. But yeah. if she liked jujitsu, I would love to get her in jujitsu because our old babysitter in California had her daughter ha- has her daughter in jujitsu, and she's like a, a state champion, damn near. Oh wow! I mean, she's really good. And and uh, if you want to talk about being able to defend yourself against some guy coming up against you. Like that's jujitsu is it. Like, yeah. That's, that's where I would, I would put my money. Yeah. Wow. I think individual sports are great. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, that's what my daughter figure skating. I mean, it takes a lot to just, you know, get out there and do something by yourself and, and you don't it's just, it's all on you, you right. know, and to hand, figure out how to handle that pressure and block things out. I mean, I think it's, I think it's great for kids. I I think so too. And there's a neat team aspect to individual sports because you work with your support network, your trainers, your coaches, your parents, like everyone helps you get prepared and then, all right, go out and do it. And then they're on their own. So they're taking this whole kind of team training experience into individual performance. And I think that's a cool growth thing for kids um, to be able to handle pressure and develop confidence and, uh, I think that stuff's like key and a uh, big proponent of sports where someone wins. Um, Cause <laughs> here in, here in California, at least we, we have a lot of those kind of participation leagues and uh, yeah, uh, you know, I'm just not a huge fan of that. Like at my boy's age, there is no winner because there is no structure. Like my, my, my three-year-olds in soccer, but it's literally just, just wrangling, uh, you know, kids who are just around kicking a ball. There's no structure to it at all, but, um, once he's old enough to have some structure, it, it's certainly going to be in a league where there is a winner. Um, cause I think it's important to be able to win gracefully and lose gracefully. And those are important yeah. you know, skills to develop. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Lo- losing is important. Yeah. You know? it's like, totally. People, yeah. I, mean, I think we learn and grow that. more and from loss than we do from winning. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, 
um, well, I forget who said it, but they, and I've quoted it a lot. It's that basically the, the, it says the true nature of mankind is to learn from mistakes, not examples. Right. You know? So it's like you need to lose, you need to screw up. I mean, that's how you learn and grow as totally. an individual. And, and get tougher. Um, yeah. Like, hey, it sucks to lose. No one likes it. And it's okay to feel bad about it. But don't, you know, wallow in it yeah. forever. And, and uh, you know, <laughs> don't don't feel bad too long. Get out there and, and dust yourself off and, and get better. Yeah. So I, I do want to make sure we touch back on the cavalry part of your sport. Because um, I've seen you wear a cavalry oh, yeah. uniform in some of your events. So <laughs> look, oh, yeah. That, that was cool. That's awesome. It just adds a whole yeah. extra layer of cool to what you're already doing. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of funny. I mean, I yeah. So there's with man shooting. Yeah, there's there's pistol, rifle, shotgun, and then this cavalry class. Oh, okay. And the cavalry was done to just kind of pay homage to you know military and you know that period of time in our nation's history. And sure. The the qualifications or the requirements to enter into it is that you have to be one. You have to be dressed in like the period. Okay. So you can be union or confederate you know enlisted or officer you can also be dressed as like a scout okay you know um and then the other sort of nuance is that your holsters have to be flap holsters so you know the holsters i usually run are open you know i can just i can put a gun in and pull one out and you know less than like half a second really okay flap holsters you know they're those traditional cavalry holsters where there's a big flap over it. Oh, so they're over a lot the, harder over the handle. You've got out. to unbutton it and then remove the pistol. Yeah. And oh. so you can have it unbuttoned, um, but you have to like lift up somehow, you know, lift up with one hand the flap and get your gun okay. in. Or you can have a pommel holster, which is on the saddle. Um, and I mean, the, the reason I entered into it was because it was just another way to get some practice runs with like younger horses. Sure. So, you know, like my, the horse that I won this derby on, you know, I ran that horse in cavalry all last year. Um, one, the courses of fire are more complicated. They're a little, little bit longer, you know, more intricate, more horsemanship. And then two, it's just more practice with For my sure. young horse. So I was like, yeah, you're at the event. You, know, you want to run as um, many, as many as you can. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah. Any place, any of these places I go to, like, if I'm going all the way there, I was like, I'm gonna run as many things as I can. Yeah. I was like, why yeah. not? You know. So then in cavalry, yeah. uh, it looks so, like your 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 uh, outfit is a Union cavalry officer's outfit. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, any special you know, meaning yeah, there? I'm, I'm, I'm a Northerner. You know. I'm, okay. Yeah. 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 Oh, I'm a Yankee, so you know. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean. <laughs> That was that was the logical option. Yeah, uh, yeah, right. So that's super yeah. cool. Um, yeah, yeah. That I liked that part of it. Yeah, and it really did. It added like this whole extra element of authenticity, or it just looked right to to have the whole the cavalry outfit on. Where it was like, yeah, man, yeah. that's that's awesome. I bet I bet the people at the at the cavalry events are probably more hardcore because you you're you're melding together the the love of the um, uh, reenacting military. in a way. With, yeah, the reenacting yeah. Yeah, like of this, the military, this historical right. connection to that culture. Uh-huh. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I mean, people who do the cavalry class, I mean, they love the cavalry class, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's definitely a smaller percentage of people. Oh right. Um, well, but you whole... generally like 
the whole thing in a way is reenacting, right? Because there, there's a dress code in the CMSA. Yeah. And it's... Yes, there is. So, yeah. And it's mainly like you can just wear anything that would have been acceptable in the 19th century. Is that right? Or is there more to it? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, ca- I mean, well, so, so Cavalry has their dress code requirements, sure. which, you know, you know, Union, Union Confederate and all that. But for general, just like CMSA, the dress code requirements, yeah, you have to have either a cowboy hat or a helmet, uh, you know, co- button, collared shirt, like button sleeves, uh, and you got to wear either chinks or chaps or riding pants. The alternative to that, for example, for women women can wear like a dress so they could wear a dress with like even like a corset or just just a dress in general just that i think goes below the knees okay um you know that's just about it but like another example here too is you can actually get a penalty you'll get a five second penalty if you lose your hat before the the timer line um oh because if your hat blows off your head while you're racing around a course that has to happen often only yeah, only before the timer line. Okay. So like, because what guys used to do is they would go out with it because a hat, I mean, you know, provides function in you know the wild west, an outdoor environment. You yeah. know, it keeps the sun out of your eyes and whatnot. Um, but in a competition environment, you know, there's really no need for it. Like if you're in an indoor arena, sure. you know, just you just look the part. So what was happening is guys were cheating the system, and they would they come out into the arena and they just hit their hat off and then they'd go uh. know, and ride. Um, so the, the association built a rule saying that like your hat has to stay on once you go past the, the, the timer line. And the timer line is the start. Um, so you have you to, you have you to begin the event with a hat on, even if it blows off as soon as you pass that yeah, line. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But people don't do that. I mean, sure. I don't, I mean, my hat flies off a lot. If I'm, you know, yeah, I imagine if, if I'm sweaty and I'm not going fast, you know, I'm going fast. So yeah, you know, that happens. So. Wow. I was thinking, okay, so like yeah. <clears throat> cavalry class or the young horse uh, event and, and all these different events, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me, um, are, does each event have its own class structure or do you compete as a level five in all of these different events? You compete as a level five and everything. Okay. So but, you are the only difference is like, say like in cavalry, you'll have open and you'll have limited and same with rifle and shotgun. You've open and limited and open is a level four, five and six rider and limited is one through three. Okay. So like if they're going to do like payouts and give you, you know, you're going to get paid for winning, you know, the limited rider, you know, gets paid and then the open rider gets paid in cavalry or okay. in shotgun you know sure. so you're yeah as, as if i compete in shotgun i'm competing against all fours fives and sixes okay you know well yeah that that stuff's that stuff's yeah. interesting i know in our sport it, it really makes a difference um who you're competing against and, and on which events and and that sort of thing um so that's like a whole extra level of not really strategy because it just is what it is in in our sport but um it, it gives you a different placement in likelihood of winning in many different events in different ways um so yeah it definitely comes into play kind of knowing who's in what and how you yeah. fall. they want to make it fair you yeah. know i mean if you're 
a level two rider, there's no reason you should compete against somebody who's a five or six. Totally. You know. Yeah. In. in that. Yeah, we call it uh, twice now. I've earned enough points. We call them punches. So as you win or do well or place in certain events, based on how many people you earn, a certain number of punches, and you need X number of punches to go from uh, C class to D class or or move up. Sorry. So like C to B to A, double A, and then Masters is the highest. And I've earned my way up to Masters twice now in the amount of time I've been shooting. And both times when I get up to Masters, it's just like, oh, well, I guess I'll spend a year here getting my ass kicked by the pros. Uh, And then at the end of the year, if you don't earn enough points to stay in Masters, they knock you back down to double A. And that's what happened to me both times is I shot in Masters for a year. Uh, We call it the donation class because we're just there to donate part of our entry fees to the pros who are going to beat us at every event. And then uh, (laughs) at the end of the year, they knock me back down to double A and I'm competitive there. (laughs) It's kind of funny. It's this revolving door. That's pretty fun. I wish I could shoot with you. That would be Uh, be a lot of fun, Mike. I want to exactly. shoot with I want to shoot with Drew. That sounds like fun. My yeah, sport is really yeah. like like golf. We roll around a yeah, course in a golf cart. You know, yeah. that well, sounds you like know, fun. There are there'll be some matches at Rahagi's. I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask you know, that. You so you got started. Should... That's kind of cool. We both got started at Rahaga's. Um, yeah. Did you know Mike Rahaga? He was sure a great guy. He passed a few years back. No, I did. I didn't know him. I mean, I knew the the guys who were running down and shooting there, but I never knew him. Yeah. Um, They're a, they're a cool family. They've been there a long time. I think they opened that, that shooting range in like the seventies or maybe the eighties, but quite a while back. And, uh, yeah, they're a really yeah, well-known family in the probably area. Probably some uh, shoots, you know, coming up at over Rahagas. there. Do you make it out soon. to California to compete? Oh, yeah. Do you make it out this far often? I haven't been out there in a long in a while, but like, yeah, I don't see any on the schedule, but um, okay, you know, I'm sure some will pop up. Yeah. All right. What about East Tennessee? Or you said you do some in Tennessee? Are they? Oh in yeah, Middle Tennessee. Or There's East a bunch Tennessee? in Tennessee. In September, we have the Eastern Championship, which is in Tennessee. Apparently, they we just switched locations. Is that like a regional? Uh, yeah, that's going to be in Shelbyville. Okay. You know, I don't think that's I don't know, that far. Do you know where Shelbyville is? Mm, yeah. I've heard of it, but there's some in Cookville. Oh yeah, Cookville is yeah, Cookville is between here and uh, Nashville. So yeah, that's not that far. Yeah. That's about an hour away. That's that's totally doable. Yeah, for me, it'd be fun just to go Shel- watch. Shelbyville is where there's one of these competitions. It it just it's like just rad. I mean, do you draw a fairly big crowd? I'm sure at bigger events more than smaller events, but do people come out just to watch? Yeah, there's a small group of people who watch, um, you know, but not a ton. I mean, yeah. I, um, it's not like it's not like what you would see like a like a rodeo, and like I think rodeos are more of like a real show. Yeah. Um, but like it's the same. I mean, it's, you know, it's same with like reining, uh, roping, or even cutting. I mean, there's just the people. It's really the. The people who are competing are generally the big spectators. Sure, you know? for sure. All um, the other people at the event yeah. are watching each other, and and uh, that's yeah. cool. Hey, and I want to yeah. I, I want to talk to you about um, your service and and being a ranger. And that's actually how I found you, Drew. Is I trying to think of ways of 
of finding people to come on the podcast who are just interesting or do interesting things for a living and, and have done things that would be fun to talk about. And I had the idea of let's talk to an army ranger. In my mind, an army ranger are just some of the baddest dudes out there. And and um, I don't know much about it. I don't know how you become a ranger. I just I, I believe it's hard to become a ranger. And uh, when I searched, I think I did something as simple as searching Instagram for hashtag Army Ranger to try to find guys who were using that. Like, I'm going to go find an Army Ranger and talk to him on the show. And I found you and your Instagram page, like yeah. I said, is awesome. And then all this other mounted shooting stuff, I'm like, whoa, this guy's awesome. I'd love to talk to him. <laughs> and uh, so tell me about your service as a Ranger. How, when did you serve? How long? How did you get involved? Like, tell me some of that. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for saying all that. Um, yeah, I'm, uh, you know, my sort of origin story with the military, um, you know, really began at, you know, nine 11. Um, you know, you know, I was in, I was going to school at Pepperdine university okay. you know, in Malibu. Um, and you know, I was, I think a junior, uh, I was entering my senior year, you know, when nine 11 happened, you know, and you know, it, so many people have had different, you know, that, that, that event changed everything in, in so many different people's lives, you know, and for me, it, it was really, uh, you know, a call to arms, you know, when I was a little kid, I'd always, you know, dreamed about being in the military and I was always, you know, playing manhunt or the most dangerous game, you know, wearing fatigues and yeah. in the mud and the woods. So I'd had this sort of youth sort of, dream of being in the military and then when 9-11 happened it became so apparent you know what i needed to do um and i think a lot of guys you know had that same reaction where you know you just you it was just this this anger um yeah and that you wanted to do something about it right um you know and i was young i mean i was 21 um you know it's like i'm here take you know send me um, wow. and that's what it was. So I, I, I finished, uh, finished college. And then that year in 2002, uh, you know, I enlisted, um, you know, and I, I could have gone an officer route, but I didn't want to, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to be in the thick of it. I wanted to, you know, you know, I didn't want to make policy. I wanted to enforce it Wow, as they say. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so in 2002, I, I enlisted and, um, the enlistment process is different for everyone, but um, I was able to secure what's you know called the Ranger contract. So, as long as you pass everything, you have the opportunity to uh, go to the selection process to the Ranger regiment. And so, oh, so you I was able to secure that, that early on career. at the time of enlistment. You you kind of decided to to go that yeah, route. Wow, I had had a. I had had a good friend who had served in the Ranger Regiment uh, in, I guess, gosh, he served in Vietnam and was a Ranger. Okay. And he talked to me about that, that, you know, was a good path. Because I was, you know, I was very athletic, you know, I was, you know, and uh, I felt like I, you know, I had a good head on my shoulders. And so I was like, listen, I don't want to just go in and be just Joe Blow. I want to go in and compete with the best and, and try to set the bar high. Wow. Um, you know, and I, I explored different options, you know, you know, maybe a green beret or Navy seal or all this stuff. 
And I didn't have a whole lot to go off besides like a one of these like really old like you know big books that just you know it's like all about the military and different branches of service. So I was like, yeah, I don't really know one from the other. I'm like, right. But I knew this guy. He recommended the Ranger Regiment, so I was like, all right, sounds sounds really hard. Let's do it. <laughs> um, I have a good friend that yeah. was an Army Ranger, uh, Ed Pinto. You don't happen to know him, do you? No. Okay. Yeah, he was um, he 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 was enlisted. Uh, he he uh, was a sniper. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I I mean I enlisted as a uh, I was a forward observer, so which is technically classified as artillery. You're really responsible for calling in air support either from artillery or from aircraft. So you, 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 you are, you are basically infantry in the range regiment. Um, I mean, you do everything that everyone else does, except you're, when you get to an objective, you're really, you know, climbing on top of roofs, uh, talking to aircraft, you know, um, uh, calling in uh, fire or indirect fire support on the target. Um, so that was my, MOS or military occupational specialty. Probably especially um, uh, coordinating yeah, I mean, with the snipers that, too, would you say? Like, cause I remember yeah. him, him. I mean, uh, a lot of times, yeah. a lot of mm-hmm. the, the rooftops we climb on, it would be us and the snipers climbing up there. Um, you know, we worked a lot with those guys. Um, but yeah, two, 2002, I enlisted and then, 2003 was really all full of training. Um, What's basic that look training. Like? Is it like so basic. normal army basic training and then moving on to like ranger preparation training? Oh, and, yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, and in basic training, I mean, it was the, you know, it's, yeah, uh, yeah, you're with everybody. Right. I mean, I was with some kids who didn't know how to address an envelope, you know, didn't know how to lace shoes. Uh, I mean, you're, you know, you're just thrown in there with the, you know, a mix of everyone. Um, and so you, yeah, you do basic training and then advanced individual training, then airborne school, and then you go through to the, the Ranger assessment and selection program, or it was called the Ranger indoctrination program when I was there, RIP. Um, and that's your, your selection process to go to one of the three Ranger battalions. Um, so, you know, you pass that, you go, and then, and then once you're at the ranger, at a ranger battalion, then you wait to earn a slot to go to ranger school. Um, and you go to a bunch of other schools too. Um, but it basically, when you get, when you get to your battalion, it's kind of like showing up to like, at least this is how it was. It's made, it might have changed now, but it's like showing up to like a really like mean fraternity, you know, uh. like if that, is a good analogy. Yeah. Like you're, you basically haven't proved anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, just cause you, sh- you pass the, the selection, you still haven't, I mean, you get treated like, like crap. I mean, um, you're the lowest of the low until you go to ranger school and come back. Okay. Um, so it's, a, it is a tough life. I mean, the first I mean, yeah, couple I of years, I mean, and you're like, yeah, I mean, you're getting your ass kicked by training, uh, and then also the guys you're there with are, are hard on you. That's just just getting getting it from every every angle. Yeah. Were you? Yeah. Did, did you so, do more than? Four yeah, I years? got. I, I left. Yeah, I mean, I, well, 
I did, you know, my four years, I left active duty in April of 2007. Um, and then I was still in like the reserves. Um, and during that time, I, you know, I was, uh, uh, I was a contractor as a GS and then did that for a bit. And then I went and took a job with a company called Blackwater Worldwide, um, doing like personal security contracting in Baghdad, Iraq. Um, and then did that from 2008, 2009. Um, so paid um, better than Ranger. I yeah. Bet. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, the pay was, was great, but the, the support that you get is, is limited. I mean, like, oh, yeah. you know, you're running in thin skin vehicles, oh. same routes every day. Uh, you don't have a ton of support if something happens. Um, you know, it's, you know, that was more wild west than anything. Oh yeah. Um, I can imagine. Yeah. And we were, in, this is in Baghdad, you know, we were living in the green zone. This is 2008, 2009. And then, when Iraq got handed back over to the Iraqi people in January of 2009, I was only there for another few months. And then it was like the green zone basically collapsed. Um, and you know, that that's when we were like, okay, I'm like, I gotta get out of here. I was like, just, yeah. you know, um, but, uh, but back to the, you know, my experience in Ranger Regiment, I mean, it was great. I mean, I have a lot of great friends, you know, from that period in time, you know, we did, we would go on rotations, you know, so you'd go overseas for three to four months, come back home, refit, train up for another few months, then go back over. Uh, and you just do this sort of cycle, um, you know, and we, I did basically four rotations, two to Iraq, two to Afghanistan, um, you know, and, it, wow. you know, the best time I ever had was when I was deployed. I mean, that was the most fun, you know, it's when you're, super engaged, you know, mission focused, doing a lot of good work. Um, you know, it was, I think the time spent back home was kind of like, you know, it was, there was little to be desired, you know, sure. um, compared yeah. to the I mean, excitement you know. of being deployed and yeah. doing something. Yeah. 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 We, we were talking about that in the last podcast, Mike, uh, uh, because there, there's a, a documentary called Restrepo and it's about the core, Korangal Valley in Afghanistan and it shows um a regiment I don't know if it's a what it was exactly but the the camaraderie that these guys had was just off the charts you know and and I'm I'm sure that's what you experienced too you probably have lifelong friends that you know will uh do anything for you I would imagine that oh yeah 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 and I I yeah 100% and I think um and, and the connection, you know, I kind of looping it around the connection between my military service and, you know, throughout my kind of 20s, whether it be in the army or when I went to work for Blackwater, the connection between that and some of the mounted shooting stuff now has really come full circle uh, here for me the last couple of years yeah. where like, you know, I had, you know, when I, the military, I, this core group of friends, you're so focused on skill and getting better and the intensity and the excitement, you know, all of that, there's so many connections between that and what I'm doing now with cowboy mounted shooting that, you know, it's really, that's, that's 
that that to me is why how it's come like 360. Oh wow, um, that is amazing. You know, yeah, it fills that. Yeah, filling that gap that you 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 couldn't you can't fill. Yeah, from that. Yeah. Yeah, there's almost some similarity 100%. there. It's almost like a, a short deployment in a sense where you're you're going out to this event you're traveling to it you guys are essentially camping out together for yeah for you know the five yeah, days yeah. or ten days or however long you're at an event um makes sense yeah wow, that's that's very interesting yeah. it really is cool neat. and yeah. and the the skill required for managed shooting and it's compared to you know the we required of us you know when we we're in the military for sure you know some of the camaraderies connection the intensity like that piece like yeah. I remember when I left the military, it was sort of like, and a lot of guys, this happens to a lot of guys when they get home, they're like, nothing ever like, they, that, that's what ends up defining them for the rest of their life. And nothing ever meets that uh, level of intensity or excitement. And because of that, sometimes they, they feel like the, there's just this void. Yeah. And for me, like managed shooting, like, you know, and it can be, it could be fitness, it could be jujitsu, it can be, it could be marksmanship or it can be managed shooting. To me, it's fill, it has filled this sort of, you know, void. Yeah. That I was like, you know, yeah. like, uh, you know, it's, it's, I mean, listen, like in the military, fast roping into like a, you know, a hot LZ, you know, into an objective, like you know, getting shot at, whatever, like that's a, that's a lot of adrenaline and, yeah. and excitement when you look back on it. And then in the same vein, it's like, stuff now with managed shooting like gosh like you know it's like you know you run one of these stages like and you nail it like it's like 10 15 seconds you're like it's a rush you know and yeah and i think that's why it's it's stayed with me and and i see that a lot with guys who've played competitive sports even you know at the collegiate level or you know guys who are in the military they they, they hang it up and they and it's like, well, what makes you tick? You know, what what yeah. makes you what, you know, um, what gives you that level of excitement still? Once um, you've experienced that important. that kind of rare excitement, whether it be yeah, sports at a high level, having a massive crowd cheering for you, or you know, the excitement of of being in the military and and being in those incredible stressful but also like super exciting and and uh adrenaline pumping situations it's hard to match that there's not a lot of things in normal life that yeah. that can compare and and the purpose like that like yeah really you're there for the most important purpose of, for sure you know defending yeah. your yeah yeah that's really yeah. cool that you I found mean, something that that, and... that simulates that level of excitement and rush and and provides that that's super cool i never thought about that but that makes perfect sense yeah. yeah, it all it all makes sense now. Yeah. It's yeah, it's yeah. kind of interesting that we came back around and and uh and touched on this subject because it, it, it now I get it. Now I now I get the whole um reason for yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah, and it took us a while to get to that, but that's essentially, I mean, for me like a really my message to a lot of guys, you know, and I mean, it took me a while like when I like 2009, when I really hung up, you know, my guns and everything, it took me a while to really figure out like what made me happy. And like, you know, I wasn't, you know, I got, was not in a great marriage. And I ended that. And as around that same time, I discovered mounted shooting, you know, and, but during that whole time, it was like, you know, uh, what, you know, I tried 
you know, I was doing CrossFit or started boxing or I was just like, just trying to figure out something that made me feel alive again. Right. Um, yeah. And this has been it. It's like, he just, and I think the biggest thing is, just, you know, just be willing to try different things. I mean, even you're talking about with, you know, trap and skeet. I mean, it's a lot of fun. I've done it. Oh know? yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, or anything. I mean, it's, um, it's a much not to slower say it's gonna pace, your whole world. but it's even got some yeah. of that excitement built in, you know, when you, are doing well in a tournament and then you're in kind of a final round or a shoot off and a crowd gathers behind you and they're watching you shoot, you know, and you're trying to calm your nerves and focus. Like there's some excitement yeah. there and, uh, it's yeah. just fun. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's really cool to have. I've always been a hobby yeah. guy though. I love having hobbies. Some people are more than others. And I've always been the kind of guy, my dad was this way where I've got to have something to like fully immerse myself in, whether it's creatively or physically or both or multiple hobbies. I've always been a big hobby guy. And um, have you always been that way? Uh, or were you kind of like more? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah? Any other hobbies that have ever played a big role in no, your yeah, life? No, yeah. I've always... Yeah, I mean, I've always had different hobbies. I mean, I always played every sport as a kid. Um, I was always trying different things, too. I mean, I've done... Everything, you know, it'd be ice climbing or wrestling or I do jujitsu now or, uh, I mean, boating. I mean, it, I love it. I mean, I will say now having horses, horses is like, it's an all consuming kind of thing. So it doesn't leave much room on my plate to do a whole lot of other stuff. Like I was saying to my wife, I was like, yeah, I'm going to start going to more jujitsu. She's like, she's like, I don't think you have time for that. <laughs> um, and I was like, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, like, I don't, I mean, I've done yoga for 15 years. Um, you know, for me, I'm like, I don't have enough time in the day to do everything yeah. that I want, you know. And you, you sound know, like a guy who would agree kids, with. Spend time with my wife. I have this thing where, where when people tell me when they retire and, and I go, oh, how great is it? What do you do? And then you get the response of, well, I don't know what to do with myself. I'm so bored. I just, I feel. I, I can't understand it. I can't wrap my mind around it because my only problem is not enough time or not enough money to do the billion and a half things that I would love to do. And yeah. if I had nothing but time, there would be yeah. no shortage of hobbies and things to just get into. Whether it's whether I'm totally broke and I have to start doing origami, I would be super into origami. <laughs> and if I had tons yeah. of money and time, I would be doing something crazy and expensive. But I would always be buried in something or multiple somethings. No, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, um, you know, yeah. Wait, so you, know, you mentioned ice climbing. You know, Damn, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. I, we did that. I, it's probably on the short list of things I probably will never do again. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, for work, at one point I was producing a, a TV show. Actually, I just posted something to my Instagram today from it. But there's a show called Training Cell. And basically myself and like two other guys, we would go do like these uh, very rapid expedited training courses in all sorts of like military style training. And we did everything from like dirt bikes to uh, small boats, to ice climbing, to jungle canyoneering, you know, marksmanship. Uh, it was great. We, it was an online show. Yeah, awesome. uh, I did it for about a year. Oh. Oh, it was so much fun. In one of the episodes, we went to Lake Placid, New York, to do to go ice climbing. Uh, 
and holy hell, I mean, like, just like you got to really love that. <laughs> that sounds gnarly it. on every level. You know, yeah. Yeah. Wow. I don't know if I it would is. sign up for that. I mean, yeah. yeah, it's so cold. And then there's this uh, uh, thing called the screaming barfies, which is like a inside lingo when you're ice climbing is that when you're, when your hands are above your heart and you're, you know, throwing the ax in, you basically, you, you lose, it gets it's so cold. And because your hands are above your heart, the blood rushes out of your hands, but it does so where it creates this like hit in your stomach that makes you want to just like throw up and scream at the same time. Oh, yeah. And uh, it happened to me. I mean, I unfortunately didn't throw up, but it was awful. I mean, you just, it's just a tough, it's a hard, you know, activity yeah to, to do wow equipment intensive um i could see how you'd like it but um, uh yeah or, wow so that sounds like one of those things like i'd love to try it to say i did it but i don't know that i would get yeah i, I, I don't know that i would do it for a long time i think once i had the screaming barfies once i'd be no, like all right I, I did that yeah i don't i mean i I'd be shocked if I ever go ice climbing again. Um, wow. But um, we worked with these rope, these tactical rope guys. They're great. I mean, they do all sorts of different rope, rope work, tactical rope work. And, um, but anyhow, that, that doing that show, I got to do a bunch of different training, which was really fun. Um, and, you know, just opened my eyes to all sorts of different, you know, stuff you can get into again, even like, dirt bike riding i mean i know guys who just love riding dirt bikes because yeah. again it's, it's thrilling and exciting and for a, sure that's a great hobby to have too you know? yeah 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 all kinds there's so much fun stuff to, do to out shoot there. from a dirt bike too oh that would be there's kinda, a new sport you know. yeah 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 we mounted motocross yeah, we were doing that too we would shoot yeah yeah wow or, or motocross shooting yeah, Man, we did be... we did one episode with snowmobiles wow yeah that was cool the internet's so great for things like that shot off a dirt bike like trying to sell that to a network would have been hard but doing an internet show that's doable and then you get to go out and do all these awesome things and film it and and, uh that's that's super cool i think if the shit hits the fan you're probably ready yeah (laughs) i think so i've got a gold bag in the house anything happens my own militia i hope be more successful than me but yeah yeah Derek. i'll just take my horses i would love to take some survival courses too i mean that that and it sounds like you would be a pretty amazing instructor and something like that as well where you know go out and uh teach you how to live off the land and that sounds like what that show was that what that show was you were yeah partially it was more about like like different types of training you might go to uh to put a kind of another you know, was an arrow in your quiver, you know, like, mm-hmm. yeah. um, like we did one, one show was on uh, jungle tracking you know, tracking people through the jungle, oh, which wow. is really interesting. So then um, what you have like an expert at tracking on the show and he trains you guys and teaches yeah. you how to do that. And yeah, oh, we went cool. to, went to Hawaii and wow. we hired this guy, uh, to do the course. And it's really interesting. Yeah. And I hadn't done a ton of tracking, but he does tracking in desert, jungle, anywhere, you know. This must have felt um, similar to some of your elite military training where you're out there kind of, oh yeah, you know, getting crash courses and some of these like kind of life skills or survival skills. Yeah, it was. I That's mean, pretty rad. 
um yeah it was it was really fun um yeah we did that we filmed that show for a good year and a half and got some there's some really fun fun times um wow we did one episode two with horses where we were just packing horses you know you know loading horses packing them uh you know just to you know head out into the wilderness um well how did it and maybe, yeah maybe really I great experience it. did we touch on like how you got how you started riding or working with horses so you didn't grow up on a farm and you served in the military you were in california i imagine there were no horses involved yeah. there and then well you were at Ladera well, ranch well i grew up the way i got into horses was i grew up here in massachusetts and we used to go to this place called block island rhode island in the summer okay um and we spent our summers there as a family and i'm one of three boys um and one summer i was i think i was, I was 12 or 13 uh this is early 90s you know i'm 42 now probably like three or four miles down the road there was this horseback trail riding place that we had done some trail riding once and i said to my mom one morning i said hey mom i was like i'm gonna ride my bike down to the horse trail ride place as i can see if i can get a job and like mind you like so i'm like I'm like 12, 13 years old. Like wow. this is before cell phones and anything. Sure. <laughs> and so my mom, and, and I said to my mom, I said, listen, I was like, if I don't come back, I was like, that means I have the job. Okay. <laughs> and she's like, she like rolled her eyes. She's like, she's like, okay. She's like, where and my mom was great. She was just, she let me be just a very kind of free spirit. Uh, so I took off, I rode my bike, you know, was, oh, 30 minutes or whatever it took me. It took me a while to get there. And I got there and I said, Hey, I was like, I'd like to work for you. I was like, can I have a job? And they hired me. Wow. <laughs> and I didn't come home until like nine o'clock that night. Wow. My mom was like, where's my son? Like, he <laughs> guess, you know, is he okay? The good old days. Unless I had the job. Right? Yeah, I know. Yeah. The good old days where you could do yeah. that. Um, and I did. And I was, I started leading people on trail rides on the beach, through the woods. Okay. I was on this like tiny little pony bareback. And uh, that was it. Um, that was how I got into horses and just like, you know, loved it ever since. That's, that's <laughs> awesome. I think when I was 14, my first job was at Hardee's and fast food. Ah. So, there you go. But I was 14. Yeah. I was 14. Yeah. And I, I went out and I got a dang job and I, I, I did it, you know. So, yeah. But yeah. yeah. That, that, uh, I think I beat yeah, you, Derek. My first job was less much. cool. I worked at the city pool and checked out towels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was... You That's still kind of cool. It reminds me of like the sand lot. It was very sand lot yeah. 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 yeah, it very it really yeah, was. Cool scene. And I was like, what was the age? Yeah. I think I was 15 and a half. At, at that age, it was... Oh, no, because I think at 15 and a half, you were technically... You were legally allowed to work. So I think I started at 15... And I had to get like written permission from my mom because I was underage or able to work or whatever that was. It was it was kind of a process. And then she gave me that permission. I worked there for a little while, and uh, I think it was just a summer. But it really was kind of a fun job. I made four twenty five an hour. That's crazy to think. Oh, about. that's what I made four twenty five yeah, an hour. That was, wow, how did you make that? That uh, was minimum wage. <laughs> yeah, that's what I made four twenty five. I minimum wage at the time was 415 and they were telling oh. me how lucky I was to get 425. Oh, they're like you better appreciate yeah. that dime. Yeah. Yeah. 
Wow. Pay for more baseball cards. <laughs> That's what it was all about <laughs> at that age. Yeah, that was before beer yeah. money. That was that was baseball card yeah. money for sure. Uh-huh. Arcade money. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Well, so yeah, that was my intro to horses, and then you know I worked through co- in college. I had in out in Malibu. I worked at a place doing trail rides, and um, but I didn't, you know wasn't like a traditional ranch environment you know i didn't you know and then I, I didn't really have my first official horse until you know probably 2014 you know okay so that yeah. must have been a glorious time damn well you, you've it mentioned was. that already yeah i mean yeah, yeah. Some, sometimes when you have to take care of something you know some people look at it like like an obligation but it can be a blessing as well and uh, i oh, think yeah. you've kind of illustrated that and i i barely know i know it with just a garden you know that's my i i love to take it's a it's an obligation but it's such a beautiful obligation that i love yeah yeah i mean i'm i'm out of the barn you know could 45 minutes every morning just cleaning up taking care of stuff and i love that i mean it's like it gets Such you a out of routine your head, right? for me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even, I don't think about it. I don't, I don't dislike it at all. I, I enjoy it. I mean, I enjoy yeah. going in there and taking care of the animals. It's just, it's fun. You know what I'd be interested in um, when we have th- is yeah. like your daily routine. Like I think of you or I imagine you uh, having a very regimented routine. You know, you're an elite military guy. Uh, a cowboy who are notorious for being early risers and and uh, and and heavy workloads and all that and like what's what's a normal day look like? Are you kind of a routine guy? Yeah, I mean it depends how busy my kids are. I mean my kids ultimately they the ones who drive my for sure my routine. But uh, yeah, I mean I'm usually up by five thirty, you know, um, and then you know morning squaring away any kid stuff and then squaring away the animals and then i'm either working or i go ride um and then the afternoons are usually more work and kids i mean so it's not um you know i keep a calendar like in my barn for when i ride and how much i ride and what i do when i ride so i'm pretty regimented about that so like like i'll check you know i'll write which horse we did slow work trail work or you know we're shooting you know Ah. and and i will kind of map out my week of what when i'm doing what you know because you know getting on a horse and getting quality time is it's you want to carve out good time for that for sure um make sure you're not neglecting you know and then horse or type of training exactly yep and then um and then i'll try to work in you know some sort of fitness aspect, whether it be doing something on my own, or maybe I'm going to yoga or I'm going to jujitsu. At least, you know, I try to fit in a couple times, at least for that a week. Yeah. And then it's, you know, I'm pretty hands-on dad. I mean, I'm taking my daughter to figure skating here this afternoon. You know, my son's got lacrosse and soccer and, you know, it's like, um, yeah, you so, got no shortage of hobbies you know, I'm, in, in your life here. No, <laughs> That's so much fun. No. Yeah, and it's it's pretty free-flowing, but ultimately, you know, that's why I can only fit in so much, you know, 
other other hobbies like take on something else um you know it's yeah. just be tough but um do you have yeah. a regimented way of preparing for or like okay so before an event day like a big event like the nationals um and maybe it's the same whether the event is small or big like the nationals do you have like uh a system of preparing yourself physically and mentally is there something you do or think oh, about yeah. or right before you yeah. right before the the go buzzer goes oh yeah i mean well like weeks leading up to something i'm preparing you know with the horses and then definitely like you're talking about too even you know hours or minutes as well i mean like several weeks before an event i'm doing my trail work my slow work and kind of building up to then shooting you know yeah. really for the horse's mind more than anything but then like just hours before an event yeah i mean you're you're physically warming up your horse you're mentally getting them you know uh sort of ready for a competition and you know, you, it's all about preparing them as much as it is about preparing yourself so yeah um i i do all that work to get them ready that helps me get ready because sure. Like you look at like variables, like in any sort of like, like a math equation, I want to reduce the variable of the horse, you know? So it's like as much as I can get that horse to be a constant, so much better. For sure. Um, and then me too, you know, it's like, I want to get a good night's sleep. I want to make sure I've been eating or drinking, um, you know, and then your own headspace, like in terms of, I use like a bunch of visualization techniques. Yeah. Uh, just all the sort of mental management stuff that helps me focus on what I'm doing, like being in the moment. Mm -hmm. um, that's huge. I mean, it's incredibly um, huge. That's cool. You, you brought know, up visualization techniques. Cause it's one of those where if you describe that to some people, they just go like, Oh, that's, that's weird, but it's incredibly effective. Yeah. And, um, I've, I've used that also in competitions and, uh, it, that mental coaching, I've worked with some coaches that that's their primary um, area of focus is visualiz visualization techniques and mental training for competition. And it's amazing how effective that can be um, and result in a consistent performance. That's cool you brought that up. Yeah. The guy, um, this guy, I did a, a clinic with um, uh, this guy, Lanny Basham. He was a, a shooter. Um he wrote a book called with winning in mind and met a bunch of mental management stuff. Yeah. His stuff is what I've, you know, he was a, a gold medalist. Um, it's, his stuff is what I use the most is like, you know, a lot of visualization, visualizing your, your shooting, your targets, hitting your line, um, focusing on like a kind of positivity. You know, it's like this whole thing is like, you can only focus on one thing at a time. So, make sure it's something that actually matters and is positive. Like don't, you don't want to go into a, a match thinking, I hope I don't miss that target. Right. You know, it's like, it's like well, if you, if that's what you're focusing on, guess what? You're going to miss it. Uh -huh. <laughs> it's like, I used to, you know, I used to visualize uh, when I was younger in high school and I um, played soccer and I would visualize just juking everybody out and scoring goals because um, I enjoyed the visualization aspect of it. And uh, not soon after that, I scored two hat tricks uh, in two consecutive games, which was like yeah. a pretty awesome feeling. But I, I really think it was because of that visualization. 
Yeah, it's, it's powerful stuff. I mean, ultimately, with the visualization, his whole thing is like your mind doesn't know the difference between doing it in your head or doing it actually in real life. Like, right. you know, so. Um, uh-huh. and, it's like that subconscious yeah. mind, right? That that mind. That, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, it's almost like you yeah, can he's, manifest the outcome in a way. So if you visualize yourself, in your case, like going through the course, hitting every target and moving through it, quickly and fluidly and and finishing and focusing on on your performance not focusing on oh i want to win or i don't want to lose even worse yeah uh then then yeah you you come out of it and it's like you manifest that outcome in a lot of cases and it's it's incredible yeah. to like um to go from a non-believer of that and then trying it practicing it believing in it and then it working going wow that's that's the game changer and that's that's kind of what takes you from yeah. um intermediate to expert level for sure yeah. And I, and I saw it come into play even this past trip to Mississippi because I was like in the lead going into the last stage. I knew I was ahead. Um, so I could have internalized that as like pressure, yeah. but like, you know, like what I need to, and then in thinking of like, Oh, I better hit everything. Otherwise I'll lose. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes blow, that, can, I didn't. that can be said. a deterrent, like don't blow it kind of feeling, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I, didn't have a good run or I miss one, I would have lost. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, but for me, it was like, I'm not going to focus on any of that. I'm just focusing on here. I'm going to hit all my targets. This is the line I'm going to do. I, to me, the outcome was just irre- not irrelevant. I, mean, I wanted to win, but you just, just block all that out. Just focus on what yeah. matters in that moment. You know? Yep. And that, that yeah. flow is That's what it's all about. Like getting into that flow. It's like, yeah, when you, when you get into that, I mean, and you come out yeah. of that, it's just so satisfying. You're just like, yeah. I nailed it. I nailed it. Yeah. And like you said, it's really like, like I nailed it. I won. It's almost like I nailed it. I succeeded in running. Well, I, I, you're competing against yourself. Really? You want to, you want to execute well, and it feels better to execute well, whether you win or not, uh, than the actual prize the prize is always great but it really feels good when you go out there and you just go like yeah i i did really great on that one that was a hell of a run that feels great yeah i agree yeah i agree i couldn't agree with you more yeah and that's what i think about now when i'm in the box before i'm going out there actually i think about what my daughter said which is you know she's like i don't i don't care about the medals i just want to skate well and i'm like i think about that i'm like you know what i just want to i want to ride my ride and ride well and that's what I want to do. Yeah. You know? and awesome. The chips will fall where they fall. Yeah. Know? Yeah. That part of it's out of your control. Yeah. So yeah. if someone wanted to get involved in this, if someone has uh, a ton of money and horses and guns, and <laughs> this is a, sounds like a tough sport to really get started in, but if someone did want to get started in, uh, in the sport, how would you, where would you direct them? What would you, what would you tell them? Yeah. Um, I would go to the cowboy managed sushi, shooting association uh website okay where they've got a list of different trainers and clubs um and most of these clubs and trainers will will offer like intro to mounted shooting um and there's a lot more happening right now because the weather's you know nice Uh um and i would attend one of those um and then after that you can just enter into you know different competitions and start going you know but um Finding a good club and a good trainer is really 
a good, great place to start. Sure. So hit the website, find a local club, go to it, talk to people, yeah. see what's up. Okay. Yeah. All right. Basically what I did, you know, in California. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. That's so cool that you ended up at Rahagas. What are the odds? Yeah, I know. Um, so if people want to, well, we've mentioned your Instagram and account and how awesome it is a few times, but I don't think you gave out your Instagram name. Like how do people find yeah, you on Instagram? It's, uh, the ra- it's, my Instagram's at the Ranger Cowboy and I'm usually really responsive on messages and stuff. So if anyone wants to ever reach out, you know, I'm happy to answer any questions or, uh, you know, give any advice on, on any, on anything, you know, yeah, uh, military, mounted shooting, fatherhood, you know. I'm happy to. Sure. You know. Very cool. And throw out your sponsors again one more time. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, uh, great to have you know, Black Rifle Coffee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sponsored with Black Rifle Coffee. You can use the code, you know, Cowboy15. Gets you 15%. Okay. Uh, if anything, Black Rifle. Uh, Safari Land, uh, Stoger, uh, USA, uh, Quicker Dead, uh, Fieldcraft Frontier. Uh, and that's, you know, and then Penley Horsemanship is my horse team that I ride with, and uh, they're great people, too. Very, so. very cool. Very cool. Well, Drew, it has been a ton of fun talking to you, man. I, I, I yeah. knew I was uh, yeah. going to enjoy this because you just do so many cool things that are foreign to me and seem uh, interesting and awesome. And uh, it certainly was that and more. We really appreciated having you on. Thank, thank cool. you so much, Drew. Yeah. yeah, thanks for thinking of me, guys. I appreciate it. What's the next big yeah. competition? Uh, we got the shoot for hope in North Carolina next weekend. Okay. And then, uh, month of May, I'll be kind of local. Um, and then Appalachia national championship in June. That's a big one. Okay. Got some big ones coming up. Yeah. Well, good luck in those. And, uh, I will continue to watch your Instagram account because it's awesome. So keep posting on there. Thanks. And we'll, we'll, we'll see what you're, uh, what you're up to and, and we're rooting for you, man. Right. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Right. Thanks again, yeah, Drew. Thanks care. for joining Thank us. You, Have a good day. You got it. Thank you. Right. Okay. Too. Bye. You know, pulled one of the guys aside, and I was like, "Hey, what is this? This is amazing what you're doing here." And he's like, "Hey, it's, it's cowboy mounted shooting." Hey, this is Mike. Thanks so much for joining us. We really, really do appreciate you, and we hope you're enjoying the show. Derek and I sure have a ton of fun doing it for you. If you'd like to support the show, that would be great. Um, you could follow or subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcast app. Uh, also, if you want to like the show or leave a good review, that would be cool. Let us know we're doing a good job. We'd appreciate it. Uh, in most podcast apps, you can also click the little bell icon thing, and that means you'll get a notification on your phone every time we put out a new episode. So that's kind of cool. Also, if you want to reach out and say what's up, we'd love to hear from you. You can hit us up on Twitter at Derek and Mike Pod. We're also on Instagram as Derek and Mike, or you can go to our website, derekandmike.com. And if you want to go super old school and antisocial, you could even shoot us an email, info at derekandmike.com. Thanks again for listening. We really, really do appreciate you, and we look forward to talking to you again next time.